We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And uh, we are back with our position previews, or I should say position reviews. Overviews. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, we're talking. Nice uh, yeah, we're, we're talking position by position coming out of spring football kind of where things stand, where we see things going, et cetera. We will revisit these positions um, as we move into the fall. So as we're, you know, at the end of summer, um, you know, we will re- revisit this going into fall camp uh, and where we think things are. And, of course, we will do all kinds of other things in the summer as well. But uh, today we are going to jump over to the defensive side of the football. Yesterday we did running backs. Today we are doing linebackers, Brian, linebackers. So uh, a lot going on with the linebacking group um, because, you know, when you lose the Butkus Award winner, there's going to be some changes uh, to the linebacker room. Uh, no question about it. So replacing Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa, you can't replace him. I mean, oh. let's be honest. You can't replace him as an individual player, but you can replace the production if you spread it around. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's also it's, – it's it's kind of just about shifting an emphasis. You know I mean? Yes, you're, agreed. It, it's, it's one of those things where you're kind of going into a new defense at the right time. Yeah. Because it's a defense that, in all honesty, takes a little bit of the – 
the pressure, the burden off of the the rover in some ways, and it it's going to allow for a other positions to be more effective. And and what I mean by that is, in this defense, you do not need to use the rover to be as attacking as you did in the box in the previous defense. And and that to me is one of the big differences. It, there's a lot more expected of the inside linebackers in this defense than there was in the previous defense. Not that the linebacker position wasn't important, but as we've broken down before. A lot of the times the linebackers were sort of this is your gap as opposed to go get the ball. Right. And you know, I think that's one of the things that we've talked about recently. I think it was a show uh, maybe a month or so ago where we talked about, you know, did you ever notice like when the linebackers would just kind of hit a hole as the line as a running back was like going right by him? Right. Well, that that that's kind of a one of the things that's going to happen when you when you run the defense the way that they ran it. And again, it's not bad because it was obviously very successful, but it is one of the reasons why Notre Dame tended to have problems with mobile quarterbacks. It is one of the reasons why they weren't always as good against the run as other elite sure. defenses. And now they had some, some stretches of the 2020 season where their run defense was outstanding. But a lot of that was just guys making really strong individual plays and the fact that they didn't play a great schedule. So I think this defense is geared more towards, hey, you know, see the ball, find the ball within the structure of what we're doing. Go attack the ball. Sounds like a children's book. See the ball. Yeah, the see ball. ball, get ball, right? <laughs> and, hey, keep it simple, you know, stupid. Yeah, kiss so, method, baby. So, uh, you know, but but again, it, it, this isn't a knock on Clark Lee. It was just different. It, it, it allowed the safeties to make a lot more plays. There was a lot more opportunities for guys to do different things. And it was still a very productive defense in a lot of ways. This is just one that, for the linebackers specifically, is going to shift a little bit of the playmaking emphasis from outside to inside. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that the the Rover is not going to be a productive player. And if you look at the Marcus Freeman defense in 2020, the Rover was their leading tackler. And if you'd have projected his stats out over a full 13-game you know, season since Cincinnati only played 10, he was on pace for a season that would have allowed him to have 100 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, and three interceptions. That's really good. Yeah. But <laughs> – it's just it's a little different. So I think this is a good time for that. And, you know, outside of that one player coming back, not coming back, this is a depth chart that returns a lot, a lot of talent and production. And they're fortunate to be in a situation where there's an ascending player at that rover position that we'll yes. get into that says, you know, hey, look, you're you know, he's not gonna be that guy, but you're you're not you're not gonna put any somebody out there that, that can't play ball. Well, and, and I will say that it felt like at times last season they were playing with two linebackers and playing with 10 defensive players, and they were still extremely successful. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is because they had the Buckus Award winner on the defense, and he was right. able to cover up some mistakes or, or lack of production, right? Um, right. And so did and, Drew White to a degree, so and White. we'll get into that as well. And that's partly why Drew had some mistakes because he was covering that up. But yes. you also had Kyle Hamilton back there, kind of as an. You had two erasers on defense last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. N now you have one. I just don't think you're going to have as much of a need for that. I agree. I I agree. And and that that one human being is back with the defense who did not have a great season. Just flat out didn't have a great season. Uh, had one really good game. Uh, but did not have an overall great season. But Shane Simon is back, and what we've seen mm -hmm. so far from Shane Simon has been excellent. Um, and we'll get into him more specifically in a minute. Um, but overall, Brian, I want to ask: Is there are there things that this team 
or this group, I should say, this group of linebackers really needs to improve on if they are going to take that next step forward? You know, Vince, for me, it's it's about production on the ball. That's the biggest thing. And now, so you say what's one thing? That is the one thing. Now, yeah. as you and I both know, there's like five ingredients to that one thing. Sure. Yes. But honestly, it comes down to making more plays on the ball. And that's going to be important, whether it be as pass rushers, whether it be in coverage, whether it be in the run game. This just There just needs to be more impact plays from this group. Yeah, And it was flashy and spotty the last couple of seasons, but it was still good production overall. Sure. You know, Asmar Bilal had 10 tackles for loss the year before, and Drew White had uh, eight, and then Jeremiah Wusukoromoa had, what, 13 and a half in 2019, right? And then last year, he also got double figures. Drew White, despite I think having what we would classify as a, a bit of an inconsistent season, still had nine tackles for loss in 12 games. You know, so I, I think it's a situation, Vince, where just more production overall is going to be needed from this group. They have to make more, <clears throat> not just tackles, but more impact production. And when you looked at, and we talked about this, there's a video. So if you're somewhat new to the channel, go back to January in the month after Marcus Freeman was hired. And we had a couple breakdowns. One was just sort of an overview of the Marcus Freeman defense and what that means for the linebackers. So that way we don't necessarily have to rehash a lot of that now. And the other one was we did a breakdown of the linebacker production and, and, and how this defense is going to impact the linebacker position. And so, you know, we dove into actually, if you look at a on a per snap basis, the, the Cincinnati linebackers were a lot more productive than the Notre Dame linebackers this past season. If you project it out over the course of a full season, since they didn't play the same number of games. And so when you look at that and you say, with all due respect to the cats at Cincinnati, I, I'm not going to sit there and say that they have say more it. talent than the yeah. dudes at Notre Dame, right? right? I mean, Notre Dame just exactly. has better athletes and better players, in my opinion. And so you say, well, if if the linebackers of Notre Dame can play with the same aggressiveness and effectiveness that the kids at Cincinnati did, then, then that could be something special. And I think the other part of it, too, is because, because this is such a more of an aggressive defense from the front four or three, that also is going to allow these linebackers to play faster. Because those two things have to go hand in hand, right? So if you if Clark Lee would have tried to use, let the linebackers freelance more the way that he utilized the front, it would have been a disaster. Because it was such a, like, you know, it was just such a, every piece had to fit perfectly into the sure. puzzle, right? And, and that's what made Coach Lee so successful. That was his philosophy, and it worked for him, right? So, again... Not a criticism. We're just talking about the difference in it. <clears throat> I'm, I'm getting tired of saying that. So people should understand that it's not a criticism. Yeah, right. It's explaining the difference. It's just but different. Sadly, just people, some, 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 yeah. you know, don't don't get that. But uh, what what having a more aggressive defense allows you to do, however, Vince, is as we've discussed in our D-line show, is, is as soon as offensive linemen kind of get their hips turned or, or, or getting it, linemen getting up in their chest, it's almost impossible for them to get off to linebackers. Right. And and that's where we talk about that's where that jump in production needs to happen for the linebackers is there's going to be a lot more of those opportunities because of how good the defensive line is for them to make more impact plays and and they're going to need to make those plays. Yeah, no question. And I and I feel like again, we've discussed this before. I I feel like the the linebackers in this defense are I don't want to say it's a linebacker centric defense, 
but I, I feel like there's there's more on the plate, but with less pressure on the mm-hmm. linebackers. If that, I I don't know if I'm explaining yeah, it there's right. There's more expectation for them to yes. make plays, but Thank there's you. not necessarily as much volume of of in responsibility for what they have to do schematically thank you for putting words into what was going on in my head i I knew where you were at i'm a little (laughs) scared that i kind of read your head that well but it's really scary it's a different topic for a different that's a different thing for a different day so (laughs) but that's exactly what i was what i was thinking and i and i think that these linebackers at notre dame are going to get a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say publicity, but you're going to hear their names more often because I do feel like they're going to be making more plays in the backfield, which are the the highlight stealers, right? Um, I feel like they're going to be more active, uh, both in the run game and in the pass game. Now, I will say they need to improve in the pass game in coverage, uh, but they're going to be more active in both. And so you're going to hear more linebacker names, I think, uh, you know, during the course of the game. Through a need course to. of the season. They need to. I mean, that's what it boils down to, Vince, is whether that does or doesn't happen, we'll find out here. Sure. You know, not we're getting close to the end of May, right? So a few more months, several more months for, for September 5th, right? We'll start finding out that day. But it needs to happen. This defense right. cannot be effective if the if there's not more production from the from the linebacker position. And again, that comes from being better tacklers. Sure. Scenario's got to improve, you know, making making more uh, Making quicker reads, getting downhill, still being assignment correct, uh, getting on the same page with your defensive line. There's going to be, yep. you know, there may be an adjustment to that early in the season. So I just think that, and then part of it is also going to be about Marcus Freeman continuing to learn what his players do well. You know, the 15 that practices in the really spring helped point. with that, but then there's going to get out in the fall and he's going to say, well, man, you know, when I didn't have Drew White a ton in the spring. And now that I have him in the fall, boy, I, I realize that different. Drew can do this, yeah. or I or yeah. realize that you know, hey, Bo can't do that, or you know, this guy can or can't do that. And I think those are the things that are going to have a, an impact on continued evolution of where they are now. Like I feel good about where the group ended the spring, sure, but also understand that there's still a there's still a ways to go before they get to that point. And and sure, it's not just about them improving; it's also about the defensive coordinator continuing to get a good read and feel for. Who can do what at at a high a high level, and then determining how do I use all these different parts in, 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 as as one cohesive group, which isn't as easy as it sounds. No, it's not, and I feel like it won't just be the amount of practice that they have in August, um, but you're also going to see, you know, not necessarily some differences, but some tweaks uh, as you move through the front half of the season. I mean, it, you can learn a lot about a team in practice but you can also learn a lot about a team during a game because mm-hmm. yes, you practice how you play and all, all of those cliches are absolutely true. Believe me, I just saw it this week with my team. Uh, but you, there are things you can learn in a game mm-hmm. that you can't learn in practice. Sure. You know? And so I feel like Marcus Freeman is going to be still learning not only his linebacking group, but the rest of the defense as he moves through the front half of the schedule and you, you might see some changes. You might see some things moving around from game to game. Um, but uh, there, there's going to be a learning curve, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how steep that learning curve is, we will see. Uh, but I still feel like there is going to be a learning curve, especially with the linebackers, because that's his group. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about it, which makes me think this group is going to play well early, is, is Nick Lazinski still around. And that is going to be a great asset for Marcus Freeman. 
That's a really good point. Uh, as long as Marcus Coach Freeman doesn't, you know, mess up the 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 hair a little bit from Nick Lazinski, as we saw on Twitter yesterday, you know, make sure he's giving him a, a proper cut back there. Um, I think that relationship will be good. <laughs> and so, if you're not on Twitter, Marcus Freeman was they sent Mike Elson sent a picture out of Marcus Freeman cutting Nick Lazinski's hair in a in the office yesterday. So I just thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it took me 11, 12 years of marriage before I finally let my wife cut my hair. So uh, without having it professionally done. So that's a lot not, of trust right there. Not going down that road um, at all. Yeah, well, my hair is a little bit ha- easier for one person to handle than, than your curly look there. But, <laughs> but back to the point is I, I do think that's an asset, however, for Marcus Freeman, that there is someone there that does not just from a coaching standpoint, but but Nick, Coach Lazinski is going to have a, a – he's going to be able to kind of help bridge that gap of what sure. Freeman does or doesn't know yet from firsthand experience. And so – I think that's going to help, and it also is going to allow him to still kind of be the defensive coordinator at times and not always have to be right with the linebackers. Absolutely. So that is one thing that is very important about this group, Vince, that should really assist in the ability of this of this unit to make a quick adjustment into this defense. And I think the, the fact that a lot of those guys from last year are back is going to help as well. And, and so – I have high expectations for this group, although I still say there's a lot we have to learn about it. But I like the I, I like the potential, I should sure. say, of this group. Now they just have to go out and meet it. And I'm not as confident that they're going to do it as I am like when we talked about the running backs because we just haven't seen it as much. But the, the talent is certainly there. No, there's no question about it. So let's jump into the talent. And mm-hmm. we'll let, let's go by position by position, right? And we'll talk – you know who's up for those positions yeah. where we see it going? Because um, here, here's the question about the position by position yeah. thing, Vince. Yeah, yeah. Is normally when you get to this time of the year, it's okay. What's the position battle? But I think we have to kind of change our thinking a little bit from what's the position battle for who's going to start to more of a how is this group going to be used as part of a, a deeper rotation? Sure. Right. Where in the past it was like okay. Drew White won the Mike linebacker job, so we're not going to see Bo Bauer. Or yeah, Maris Lewifau yeah, won the right. Will linebacker job, so we're not going to see Shane Simon or vice versa on either one of those. Right, right. But I, but I think that can be that can be challenging too because you, you want to make sure that guys are still competing. Sure. But all you know, so oh, I'm, I'm number two, but I'm still going to play X number of snaps. So you have to be able to still motivate the guy that's number two to still want more snaps, but at the same time create a, 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 an acceptance of this is the group. And so that's uh, that is a bit of a challenge for for me that we have to see. And then how do those guys handle those roles? Because another thing about linebacker events that can get a, a little bit problematic is. Linebacker is a position for me that you, sometimes you need snaps to really get a feel for what's happening. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes. And when you're in too much of a rotation, it can maybe take you a little... Yes. Absolutely, yeah. And so those are some of the challenges that Marcus Freeman faces beyond just does he have good players or not. And that, and that, that, that's important to me to discuss before we dive into this, because we're going to talk about the will position and the Mike position, and we're going to talk about Shane versus Marist and Bo versus Drew and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is barring one injury or one of the, one of those guys or some of those guys having big regressions, they're all going to play. Right. It's just how, and to what volume. Yeah, and that's and gonna I, be the key. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And and that is one of the things, and, and we've we've talked about this before, but it's 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 a lot about you know what kind of packages they're gonna have, what kind of personnel groupings, right? That and they can still move guys around and, and how versatile. I mean, I really feel like in Marcus Freeman's defense, the more versatile you are the more playing time you're going to get. I mean, if, if for example, Drew White can play Will and Mike, that might be very beneficial to him because he might get some more snaps. He might get some more, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like versatility is going to be an important aspect uh, to this group, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm speculating 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody wants ver- versatile players, um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. So from a Will linebacker, um situation we're looking at two guys uh Shane Simon Maris Luafile um how do you see that going up to this point I think it's still a it's still to be determined in my opinion yeah. Yeah. I think both made some progress this spring I think Shane to me from what we saw in practice from what I heard from sources Shane made the bigger jump okay. between last year and this year well he had only up to go well I mean, I get what you're saying, but but I'm not even talking about compared to what he was last year. I'm just talking about how his ability to play at the level that they need. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to keep making this about what he did last year. We all understand that if if he doesn't if he plays like he did last year, he's not going to play. I'm talking about what's the standard for them to get the kind of play at the will linebacker position that they need. He made a bigger jump to that level than than Maris did, meaning he's further along to being that kind of player that Maris was. You somewhat should understand it too, because Shane is a year older than Maris. Sure. That's going to help as well. Yep. So, but so we saw him. I, I think that a shift to Marcus Freeman was good for Shane Simon. I just think Agreed. Shane, as much as 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 you know, as good of a coach as Clark Lee was, I just think Shane had kind of gotten so in his own head because of the way the things were done. And again, it, it worked for most guys, but for Shane, what, for whatever reason, it, it didn't. didn't work as well. Yeah. 
Part because he had to move around so much. He played Rover. He played Mike. He played Will. He played Mike. True. He played Will. It was, of course, it was Buck then. <clears throat> that I think that kind of impacted Shane's ability to get comfortable anywhere. Well, now he goes into year two as the starting Will linebacker, or at least in the position for the starting Will linebacker. It's a system that, to me, he needed more than anyone. And the reason I say that, and we've discussed this in the past, but I will say it again for, for those who are new to the channel, Shane is a very coachable player. Mm-hmm. too coachable and and what i mean by that is when you tell him to drop at 45 he's going to drop at 45 right 45 degree angle when you tell him to you know do this he's going to do that he did not play with any kind of uh in my opinion looseness to just say hey go make a play right whereas jeremiah wusu just naturally is just a yeah you told me to do this but at some point in time i'm just going to go find the ball and what people don't realize about Jeremiah is a lot of the plays he made was him freelancing. Sure. That's, that's, yeah, it really was. A lot of different people and, that, and that's that one wasn't of the, the reasons. The, right. I mean, in the NFL draft is one of the, one of the reasons that yeah. we heard through the grapevine right. as to why he slipped a little bit. Right. But that kind of was needed because if you didn't do that, then some of those plays he made wouldn't have been made. Absolutely. <laughs> so Shane was a complete opposite of that. I think this defense demands that, to a certain degree, you you got to go play football, kid. you got to be more loose, and, yeah. And Marcus Freeman used a phrase, which I love. He said, it's football, not fitball. And and I think that's so important because the fit was so important to Shane because that's what he was instructed to do. Now it's like, sure. hey, man, go make a play. Right. You're a football player. Go and make a play. He, and he and is I think it's, it's given him a lot more freedom yeah. to just not have to think so much and just go play. So I think that was an important thing for him. And I think that the fact that he is a year older than Marist and has been in the weight room a year older is why I believe he took more of a jump to get to, get to that point than what we saw from Marist. Uh, but I think that that there's still work to be done. We saw it in the blue game. There's still times where Shane just kind of crashes into the blocker and loses the side of the ball. Uh, he's still got to work on his block destruction a little bit better. He's still got to be able to – you know, lock guys out and, and get off, disengage a little bit more effectively, which is what block destruction is. You know, he's a guy that needs to still learn to take better advantage of his athleticism. But again, he's going to have over 40 practices between right. the start of the spring and the start of the season. It's not even halfway there yet. That's the thing we got to remember about spring ball. Spring ball gets you to 15 of those practices. There's still at least 25 more coming right. in the fall. Right. Yep. yep. So, so it's a whole month. I mean, it's a month of practice and there's all the summer workouts and all that kind of stuff. So there is a, there is a, a, to me, it's a, Shane's on the right path. There's still work to be done, but we saw him breaking a lot of those bad habits in the spring. And now it's about continuing to just, you know, get the shackles off and just continue to move forward and, and be the athlete that we all thought he could be when Notre Dame signed him. You know, he was a top hundred recruit. He was an exceptional athlete. He was the best receiver that they had at St. Peter's Prep. He wasn't just a great linebacker. And so that's where it's like you kind of get – say, okay, that you know, it's hard to get out of our head what we saw last year, which was not good. But it's also – I still have in my head what we saw before that. Sure. And Shane started looking a lot more like that kid, which is what he's going to need to do if he's going to, A, hang on to the job. But more importantly, if he's going to play at a level – that allows that position to become a strength. Now, do you feel 
because Maris Lewifile, his the big knock on him is that he kind of runs around like a crazy man, you know, hair on fire, no pun intended. Um, but we we talk about how you need to be more loose in this defense, which is great. You would think that that would fit into what Marist wants to do, but is he almost, and I don't want to say undisciplined, but does he need to kind of learn how to rein it back a little bit? Yeah. See, I don't, I don't even want to, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, Vince, and it's yeah, a really yeah. good point in question for me. I would say it's, it's, I, I, I would not phrase it quite as negatively and, and I get what you're that's saying yeah, that's to fine. me. It's, I love the aggressiveness. Yes. I love that he flies so hard to the ball. I think at times last year, you could even see him starting to think a little bit to me with him it, it to your right it is like kind of you got to harness that a little bit right and him right. and Shane are polar opposites where yes. Shane's just so robotic and structured it's like oh you know right. where Maris is like uh I like where you're coming from but you you can't just you still have to understand that you can't go inside on that play right like you have to understand you're the last line of defense on the perimeter you still right. need to go outside right and that's something that got Jeremiah Wusukoromoa in trouble at times especially in 2019 is He'd see a bubble screen and he's just like, I got to find a way to get to that ball. So he'd go underneath the guy. Well, if he doesn't get to the ball, that guy's getting outside. And and we saw them get hurt with that at times. And so there there needs to be sort of a a, a, a discipline to the as I said before, it's a structured chaos, right? Correct. You still yes. need the structure. Yes. Shane is too much of the structure. Maris is too much of the chaos, and they both need to kind of you know yes meet in the Best middle of both a little worlds. bit. Yeah. Right. 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 Yep. I agree. And, it, and that's why I think it'll be even easier <clears throat> for Marcus Freeman to use both of those guys because they bring different things to the table. It, even though they both kind of need to find more of a center, mm -hmm. they still bring different qualities and different qualities that you can use. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you're going to see both and, of them play. And let me say something else about Marist. My big fear is that they were going to harness him too much in the previous Sure. Book. Yeah. And then that takes away what makes him – unique and good the other thing we have to remember is maris is still in a lot of ways developing as a young person and I and agree. i mean that from a football standpoint you know, he was a kid that played corner and safety up until like his senior year of high school i mean he was he was barely 200 pounds when he finished high school he still has a lot of development that's coming yeah so i don't think maris is close to reaching his full potential and in a lot of ways Last year, not counting is going to be a huge benefit for him down the road because I still feel like he's sort of physically a year behind where he should be, mm -hmm. just because of you know of, of where his body is. So he he might still be a year away from being an every down impact player, but I do think if they can harness that a little bit and find that role for him, whether it's in coverage, whether it's attacking the run, whether it's as a pass rusher, that that he is going to still be an impact player, but. I think one of the things they'd like to do with him is to use him more as a pass rusher, and I don't think he's quite adapted to that as effectively as they had hoped. And so that's an area of his yeah. game that's going to have to continue improving is being able to use his speed and his length as an advantage while also negating the fact that he's still pretty small when you talk about a guy that's trying to, you know, that's trying to rush against 300 pounders. Sure. No, absolutely. I, I agree. And it's, Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm interested to see how they get used together, uh, or or yeah. not necessarily. But you know what I mean, not necessarily right. together, but at the same position as part um, of that rotation. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Let's move inside uh, because I think this is where it's intriguing for me uh, because you've got Drew White, two year starter, going to be a three year starter in theory, uh, and you got Bo Bauer, who I've loved since he stepped foot on campus because Bo Bauer 
and I've explained this before, he is your prototypical middle linebacker from like 1987, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's the big bodied kid that's going to play both a gaps, you know, extend out to the B gap a little bit, but he's going to play that, that triangle, right? That triangle in the middle of the defense and he's going to snot bubble people and all that. And I, I was worried, you know, about his athleticism fitting into kind of the modern defense. But I think as he's gotten older and I think his, his time on special teams has benefited him as well. His sideline to sideline speed is actually a lot better than I think people give yeah. him credit for. He's a much um, better athlete. Look, you don't have yes. the success he's had on special teams and coverage exactly. if you're if you're slow. Yes, that, that's my so. point precisely. And you know, Drew White, he and I think Drew White's more athletic than people give him. Oh credit yeah, for. a lot more. I, I, I saw one of the comments, you know, off to the side was that you know he's been steady, but he hasn't been great. He needs to be replaced. Um, and I don't want to put words in whoever's mouth it was, but that was along the lines of what it said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know that I agree with that right off the bat. I, I think that there's more to Drew White than he's been able to show in the past years because, A, I think he was covering for Shane Simon a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, I think this defense kind of hamstrung him a little bit and didn't give him an opportunity to show how athletic he is. Right. And I think he's going to get that opportunity in this defense. Well, and, and look – Bo Bauer's a really good player, and and I and I like Bo, but you are correct that Bo is the the old school Mike, not the modern Mike. And and I'm going to have Absolutely. an article, and I'm hoping to have it done next week, and, and you know, and we're going to do a podcast on it where I talk about how I think there, I think that that Mike position is be, going to become more important here very soon, and some defensive coordinator is going to be smart enough to figure it out that hey, if you want to defend. If you want to defend RPOs and the run effectively, which is kind of RPOs, if you want to be able to defend those effectively, you need an old school Mike linebacker to a degree. The problem that I have with Bo still is I still think Bo is a very limited pass defender. Yeah, that's my issue. That's and why it was so surprising when he was kind of in on the dime package. It made no sense, right? And and he wasn't very effective at it. If we're yeah. being honest about it, uh, and and I don't, and that's not a knock on Bo. You're you, you're asking him to do something he wasn't good at. But I, you know, that whole Jack Lamb, Bo Bauer thing, I don't really care to get into. But man, could you have thought about Jack Lamb in this defense being able to play with just that reckless abandon, that athleticism? But anyway, he's a Colorado now, so it is what it is. But with Bo, I still think he's a a bit more of a two down player, and and that's my concern with him, Vince, is because in now in modern football, in 1987, a two down player was not going to be as take exposed as much because it was sure. such a more run heavy. Uh, period of time now you have to be able to play the pass on every down right and and that's where i think that that Bo to me still has needs work and, and that's the thing that's going to determine whether or not he is the primary mike or if he's going to be sort of part of a rotation with drew white but you know as far as a thumper i mean if if, if Bo doesn't get more playing time against wisconsin for example i'll be a little surprised sure, right yeah. like that's the time you really want to see Bo Bauer. I, I don't know how much I would play him against USC, right? Completely different offense. Drew White to me is a very has always been a very underrated player, and he always will be. Number one, he looks way too much like Joe Schmidt for for people, and that's and, the, and, and I think that's that's physically so not looked, Drew yeah. White's fault, right? But it, right. It, yeah, absolutely. What what he doesn't get enough credit for is he is a far 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 superior athlete to Joe Schmidt. Like he's Joe, he people said, boy, if Joe Schmidt was a better athlete, well, that's that's Drew White. Okay, he is Drew White. 
And, you know, I mean, look, in in two years in Brian Van Gorder's defense, Jalen Smith had 18 and a half tackles for loss. Well, in two years in Clark Lee's defense, Drew White had 17 and missed a game, missed a game compared to Jalen when you consider Notre Dame didn't play an extra game last year. So his production has been pretty good. And and last year, I think his play regressed a little bit for the point that you made. And we've discussed in the past, Vince, which is I think he was very much concerned about what was going on beside him. Because, like, we have to understand about players is, they, they watch film. They mm-hmm. know what's going on. They understand that, wow, we've had like five tackles in eight games from our buck linebacker, right? right. They understand Absolutely. that, okay, he's not getting off those blocks. And and I don't think that they that, – that Drew handled that all that well. And, and so I think that put him in some bad position. He put himself in some bad positions at times. And, and it cost him to make mistakes. But I also think the nature of the defense held him back in that – they asked him to so like the defense required a Bo Bauer, but they were playing with a Drew White. This defense, however, I think can really utilize a guy like Drew White because of what we've been talking about is a far more aggressive, active defense. Well, in my opinion, Drew White's a better athlete than Bo Bauer. He's he's every bit as instinctive, if not more instinctive. I think the, the problem with Drew is Drew got caught between wanting to Drew has an instinct to run to the ball. That's his natural instinct. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought he was so good in his first year in this defense, but that wasn't that was kind of harnessed into you know yeah, but you got to get this gap and and we saw that too much, and for a two hundred twenty to two hundred twenty five pound linebacker, Vince, that's not a good thing. Right. I feel like in this defense, however, Drew is going to have more opportunities to just go to the ball. Right. Exactly. And that's gonna that's gonna fit him a whole lot more, and so. I think that some of us are sleeping a little bit on Drew White and what he can bring to this defense. Uh, Drew White, first of all, is going to play this year. Fact. I still think he's going to start. It's just how much of his snaps is Bo Bauer going to eat up? Part of that's on Bo. Part of that's on Drew. Drew's got to become a more consistently effective player. He can't have those up and downs because you he's not big enough to be able to get away with those things, Vince. Yeah, right. Because if he if he isn't doing what he needs to do, he can get swallowed up more mm-hmm. so than Bo can. And so I think that's where we, we need to see from Drew, and, and he's going to have to stay healthy because that was an issue for him early in his career. Obviously, he got banged up in the spring, so he's got to be healthy. But Drew White is a much better athlete and playmaker than I think people give him credit for. His limitations in the past game are more about he's short and has short arms. Right. than they are about him not knowing what to do or getting caught in coverage. Bo's issue is Bo just doesn't have any kind of feel in the pass game. And we saw it last year in the games. We saw it in the touchdown pass that Alabama had to their tight end. That's got to be – Bo's got to see that open up and run with it, and he had no idea that they were running a drag route right behind him. We saw that in the spring game where they just ran a little simple swing route, and he didn't – he couldn't get out there to Kyron Williams and, and, and get to him. Those are things that are going to hurt him if he's on the field every single down – because he just hasn't shown the same feel in the past game. Now, for Bo, that's where he needs to work, right? Sure. That's where he needs to improve. So they both have things they need to work on. It'd be nice to say, well, you know, between the two of them, you're going to get great linebacker play, but opponents are going to see that too, and they're going to say, okay, Bauer's in the game. This is what we want to do. Drew White's in the game. This is what we want to do. So they both need to improve on it, and that's, a, that's the important thing, Vince, is you, know, you can say, well, look, if you can merge these two guys into one linebacker, you're going to be pretty good, right? Well, you can't do that. They're not one linebacker, right? Now, I think <laughs> right. they've recruited one of those guys, right? Josh Burnham, I think, can be that guy. 
I think Junior Two Alamaca can maybe be that guy, but those guys aren't on the campus in 2021. Okay, right. this is what you have. So you need to be able to kind of get a little bit more effectiveness from both of them in regards to improving upon their weaknesses. And so whenever they play, they're not that liability to where once teams say, hey, 52's on the field. Let's throw it. You know, yeah, or or, or 40's on the field. Let's take advantage of them here. That's going to be an important thing, and that's going to go a long way towards determining, Vince, whether or not this linebacking core is not only going to make the production that's needed, but also this level of impact play that's needed because – Ultimately, they're going to be the key to this being a good run defense or a great run defense. Absolutely. It's no, going to be that, those two positions. Yep. Could not agree more. Um, now, go back what we started off this little podcast with was that Notre Dame loses Jeremiah Wusukormoa, Buckus Award winner, best linebacker in the country. He's no longer on the team. So they, that, that position still exists. Somebody's going to have to step into it, right? Um, and – if anybody's expectation is that whoever steps into that spot is going to be Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, they they need to not have that thought, right? I mean, you you have to have balanced expectations for who goes into that spot. Now, I'm not saying that the, that this whoever wins this spot is going to be garbage, because mm-hmm. I'm really excited um, about what Jack Kaiser brings to the to this position and to this defense. I, I'm really excited about it. But he's not Jeremiah Hustikormo. It's right. going to look a lot different. And, right. and and that's what we need to talk about, I think. But I think Jack Kaiser, this is a perfect opportunity for him to step up. I love what he did in the spring game. Um, I, I think he's and it was all, it wasn't just the spring game too, Vince. I mean, right. and you're not saying it was. It just right. I'm adding to what your comment was, which is he was flashing on every single practice video we had. I mean, he yes. probably had, what, three or four different interceptions. There were plays where he was you could see him baiting the quarterback into a throw and then he just jump it. Yeah. Cause he's such a better at this is the thing that I think I don't think the nation understands this yet. I think Notre Dame fans have somewhat of an idea about this. I don't think the nation understands how athletic this group of linebackers are. Mm-hmm. And they think, well, they lost Jeremiah Wusu Korma. I got a news flash for you. Yeah. He wasn't one of the three fastest linebackers Notre Dame had last year. He wasn't. From a 40-time standpoint, he, he wasn't. Now, he was the most explosive, but he was not the fastest. There's at least three or four guys at linebacker that were faster than him. Now, one of those guys is gone. He's at Colorado now. But the other guys are back. And this is a very athletic group. It's not a very long group, but Jeremiah wasn't very long. You know, Jack Kaiser is going to have some limitations from a size standpoint, but he, he's going to make up for from an athleticism and an instinct standpoint because I think he is exactly what we kind of were talking about earlier is he, to me, is sort of that that uh, combination of the two. He's very athletic and very rangy, and he's a playmaker, but he's also a controlled, smart, disciplined player, which I think comes back to his days as a quarterback. No, he was not a drop back and read the defense and go through full field reads, but as a quarterback, he had to make sure everybody knew where they were. He had sure. to make sure there was leadership, getting everybody lined up. As a free safety on defense, he had to have this. He had to be a thinker. You got everybody in front of you, yeah. Right, and and those experiences helped Jack, or who was already a naturally instinctive player, become sort of like a, you know, a, a disciplined player as well as a playmaker. Sure, and and that's why I was look. I understand why he didn't play more last year because I feel like he he doesn't have the body to be a sixty snap game guy inside, and I think Clark Lee knew that. And that's why, yeah, he did great against South Florida, but the rest of the teams in our schedule aren't South Florida. 
Sure. And, and so I think that was that was part of why they limited him. Well, that's gone at Rover. That's not a problem at Rover. Right. He, it, that won't space. affect exactly. Yep. And and now it's about positioning, instincts, being able to to have run pass recognition ability, which I think he'll be good at. Well, and I think that these everything you're naming off right now is what I would put in his strength column. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and, right. and being on the inside, a negative was his body size. Right. And there's right? nothing but, he can ever do about that. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, but everything that you would put in a strength column, I believe, is a strength for the rover position. It's a perfect position for him. And I think the other part of it, too, is the rover has to be an all-around player. He has to be good, and it's really four yep. areas. And yep. it's you got to be good against the run and perimeter pass, which is kind of one. You have to be good in man coverage. You have to be good in zone coverage. Those are, to me, a little bit distinctly different things. Uh, and then the fourth one is you need to be able to provide some sort of pass rush in certain situations. Right. I think Drew, I think Jack projects well in all those areas. I do. I think the only limitation that he had in 2020 was experience and size. Sure. Well, both of those things are not issues anymore now that he's a rover. Yep. He got experience playing football last year, and whenever he got that opportunity, he made plays. He he excelled, yeah. And now he's at a position where the size isn't an issue as much anymore. I mean, he's actually the same size, if not a little bit taller and bigger than the guy they had a rover last year. Right. And and I don't think that – here's the big thing, and this is going to sound crazy. There isn't going to be the athletic drop-off that some people think there is, in my opinion. Now, so I'm kind of undermining what you said, Vince, which is he ain't Jeremiah Wusukormo, and he's not. Right. But it, it's not like they're they're – I'm trying to think of how to say this without getting in trouble, but there's going to be a perception about Jack Kaiser – that people are going to make. I, I understand where based you're coming on certain from here. traits. Yes, that I think are going to leave you not traits. appreciating what kind of athleticism he's going to bring to the table, and, and so that's why I'm 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 again he's not Jeremiah, but I think Notre Jeremiah be wasn't fine Jeremiah there. though when right. he first started playing either. No, he didn't take him. Yeah, he didn't cut. He didn't. I mean, he didn't play a defensive snap until his junior year. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, give give these kids a shot. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But there is a depth chart uh, yeah. there as well that we need to talk about. Isaiah Pryor uh, came in as a safety, got moved to Rover pretty quickly. Uh, he's a box player. I think that's mm-hmm. nobody's going to argue with that. Uh, his limitations, I would I would say, are in the pass game, um, and that's something he needs to work on. But against run heavy teams, I could see Isaiah Pryor getting yeah. some time. No question. Kind of kind of funny. A lot of people don't get that, Vince, because they think, "Well, he played safety, so he's probably really good in the pass game." Nope. No, he's really he was not. A downhill, he's a downhill guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, lay the wood yeah. kind of guy. And which every is great. time he flashed the highlights, it was coming up and run support. It was blitzing off the edge. Correct. And, and I think that that when Paul Mawala gets back, it's going to allow Marcus Freeman to utilize Isaiah Pryor in an even more narrow role, which is going to be really good for Isaiah Pryor. Sure, absolutely. Because he'll excel at that. Yes. Yes, in that role he's going to be good. He's going to continue to be a good special teams player, but in that role I think I think Isaiah could thrive. Now Mawala's to me a bit of a wild card in this group because I agree. He had an Achilles injury. And you never know how a guy is going to come back from an Achilles injury. And Paul's not someone that um you know that that to me could necessarily handle a a, a step losing a step. Yeah. Yeah, he needs I agree. to get that step back. So to me, he's kind of a, a, a medical asterisk, much like I say about Kevin Austin. Sure. Now, 
if Paul Moala comes back as the guy that he was before the injury, then you you have to like the depth chart at Rover because he's a he's a really athletic, rangy guy. Yeah, he's a yep. playmaker. Now the issue with Paul is he lacks length. He's not a real big guy. But again, as the number two, he's not going to be out there for sixty snaps a game. Right. He's going to be out there for twenty, and in that role, I think Paul can be effective. I agree. And so I like the depth of the returning depth because you have two guys that can do different things. Paul's better in zone coverage than Isaiah is. Now sure. neither of them are the man guy that Jack Kaiser is. That that you know, but that's what you you know that as a defensive coordinator. So you make calls, uh, you know, Based appropriate on, calls, yeah, and those sure. guys are in the game. You know, because when Isaiah's in the game, you're not going to be asking him to play man coverage. If you're playing man coverage with Isaiah prior in the game, it's because you're blitzing him. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And you're, it's, your it's field safety protecting him. him. Right, yeah, exactly. Your right. safety's coming down to cover that guy because Paul's blitzing off the edge. So I think that that's where you say you you, you know you like about it. And look, we, we talked about the Mike and the Will, and we didn't talk about J.D. Bertrand, True. who flashed all spring. I, I think J.D. Bertrand's a good football player. So I really like the depth chart. And – I also wanted to say something else to clarify. So I've been saying for a while that, that Kuhanu Kia, as far as we know, is going to be going on a Mormon mission. I had a chance to speak with, with him recently since our last podcast on my linebacker. He does now, in fact, plan to enroll this fall. Oh. So he will be on campus this summer. So he's another guy that you that adds another body to that inside linebacker depth chart. Gotcha. So the numbers there are are better now, you, you know, than what we had thought with JD Bertrand ascending this spring. And then with Kahanu Kia uh, is going to show up this fall. So I did want to make sure I clarified that. Gotcha. But, you know, you're talking about a three deep across the board now. Osita Ekwanu is playing Viper. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing. We saw Devin Upau actually playing Will. You know, again, those are guys that are in that depth chart, but are not guys that necessarily I see making an impact this spring or this upcoming season on defense. I think at Rover, however, we could see that depth be utilized a little bit more effectively. Uh, in in certain situations, and then you say, well, if you get into some third down situations, is there a role for maybe a couple of those guys? You know, that's a time where maybe you could move Jack Kaiser inside, like sure. like what uh, Mike Elko did with Clark Lee and or with Drew Tranquil in 2017. On first and second down, Drew was inside or outside at Rover. On third down, Drew was inside uh, because Drew wasn't a great cover guy. Now it's a little different because I don't think, I think Jack can cover, but it's more about like, you know, getting that, that athleticism inside, getting him matched up against linebackers and tight ends Absolutely. and stuff like that. And then maybe you put an extra DB on the field. Yep. So I think there's a lot that, in my opinion, that they can do, uh, at that position. Well, and we know that coming, uh, in a, in a week or two, uh, is going to be Prince Collie. Uh, who is an incoming freshman who everybody's mm -hmm. very excited about. I saw somebody say that he's JOK 2.0. Um, look, he, he's got talent. There, there is no question mm -hmm. about it. Um, he'll see some playing time, I would imagine. Uh, but there's a lot of talent in front of him, too. I mean, it, it's going to mm -hmm. be a situation where he doesn't need to play right away. If he does, it'll be because he earned it. Um, but I, it's going to take a little bit of time. Well, it could take time. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> and I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to do what you're trying to like play my role, which is like, let's tamp down the expectations right. on the yes, young I club, right? That's exactly what and, I was And doing. I get it. To me, it's more about, yes, you're right about everything you said. Having said that, I do think Prince is the kind of player that has the ability to step in and say, yeah, okay, I know that there's other guys there, but uh, I have to play. 
And the reason I say that is, is because he does bring the same all around skill set that Jeremiah and Jack Kaiser bring to the table, which is he can play the run, he can rush the quarterback, and he's very good in coverage. You know, now there's some technical things he has to learn about of playing course. the position. There's going to be a lot of assignment things. So, you know, how soon can he go from thinking all the time to just playing? That remains to be seen. But I think Prince is a guy that could make it hard, very hard to not play him because. Look, he just brings traits to the table that those sure. other two rovers after Jack Kaiser don't bring to the table. Now, now he could also help out inside. You know, he's a guy to me that could could eventually be a will linebacker. I think he yeah. needs to fill out a little bit more. But you know, he's listed at two ten when he signed. I don't know what the summer workout program is going to do for him. He may end up putting on fifteen pounds, like you know, in in, a, in a, with some quickness, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, let's get this guy at will. Yeah, right. Or let's this guy get this guy inside or something like that. So. Where he ultimately is going to play remains to be seen. I would like to see him, however, get a start at Rover. Start meaning his starting position, not that he is going to start at Rover, be the starter at Rover. I want to see him start out at Rover and then see how he handles it. But he's a guy, Vince, that you're absolutely right. He's a freshman. He's got a lot to learn. There's guys ahead of him. He's going to have to earn it, agree with you. But I still think he has the talent and to, 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 to earn it. To where right. if it's close great. Yeah. between him and the number two and number three guy, you almost lean towards playing him because those guys are basically going into their final season. Sure. And he's a young buck that's still ascending. So yeah. I, 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 you're, you're right in what you say, but but I'm hoping that that he does end up forcing his way on the field. Because you are correct. He's going to have to earn that playing time. There's no linebacker position where someone steps in and says, boy, we need that guy to come in and play right away. Right. There's really nowhere on defense other than safety that yeah. you say that about. Yep, I agree. Maybe corner. But front seven, there's not a single position where a freshman's like, boy, we hope that freshman's ready to play because otherwise yeah. we're in trouble. That's right. not true. In secondary, yeah, maybe we can make that conversation, but not in the front seven. If a freshman is going to play, whether it's Gabriel Rubio – whether it's Prince Collie, if a freshman's going to play in 2021, it's because that They're kid is it. really, and that's really great. Good. What a great problem to have because I feel like that was the same way on the offensive line, and two freshmen are kind of rose to the top. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I, that's awesome. If if a guy is good enough to do that, then by all means, play him. I mean, mm -hmm. that's great. I was just trying to, you know, I know, no, and I get it, and 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 I'm <laughs> I'm with that. I'm with yeah, that. I it's just you. with Prince. It's just. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And, and I, I think his 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 skill on offense is something that's going to help him pick it up pretty well, too. I mean, this is a kid that is a junior, had, what, 60-plus catches for over 1,000 yards as a receiver. Right. Then he moves to running back as a senior, and he rushes for over 1,900 yards and 20-plus touchdowns. It's like, kids is a football player. Yeah, I mean, right. You no, know, we use that phrase, oh, he's just a football player. Well, no, that's – I mean – it's like with Prince, it's like, oh, where are you going to play him? I don't care. Figure it out. You know, yeah, it's like, doesn't matter. It, it, it wouldn't shock me if, like, they they had some major injuries at running back. And the next thing you know, you know, Prince Collie steps in at running back or, you know, the, the running back bus, you know, gets lost in the way of the game, I say sarcastically and say, hey, well, what are you going to do? I'll put Prince back there. You, you know what I mean? Like, you'll be yeah. okay. Right. Um, we need a goal line fullback. Who's that going to be? Hey, uh, uh, I got an idea. How about you put Prince over there? <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's what I mean by that. Is this you just you just put this kid wherever and he's going to figure it out and he's going to yeah. he's going to make a quick adaptation <laughs> and he's going to be ready to play. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about what he can bring to the table. And, and again, you know that goes against my normal sure thing of let's pump the brakes on the freshman, but Prince is hard. a little different for me. It's he hard. really is. He um, really is.
All right. So I feel pretty good about this group. Again, mm-hmm. the depth of this group, I think the versatility of this group, uh, and I'm talking about all three linebacker positions mm-hmm. uh, together. I, I feel really good about it. I really do. And I think um, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see these guys. But I think there's going to be some ascension for some of these guys. And I, from a national stage, from a average fan stage, I think mm-hmm. you're going to hear these guys' names a lot more. And I and I think it's going to be fun to watch these guys in the backfield, you know, making plays. You know, um, so any final thoughts on the linebackers before we jump into the comments? Yeah, I just the big thing. The big thing for Marcus Freeman is he's going to have to. He's his goal is to. I have to make sure that these guys mentally pick the defense up enough to where their the game can be about their athleticism, because if it becomes about how fast they are and how athletic they are, then this group is going to be really really good. If yeah. the, it's still about not sure what to do and, you know, they've got the chaos part down, but not the structured part of the phrase structured sure. chaos, then you're going to be in trouble. So the the faster that he can get it to be about their athleticism and talent and less about this meaning. And what that means is, is not it hasn't to do anything with their lack of intelligence. It's just that if they're thinking too much and not just going, it needs to be second nature like this needs to be second nature so they can just go physically and just go play ball. And, and that's what it is for the best players. You know, the guys that really are great you know, with Manti. Manti didn't have to think. Manti just – he knew what was going on. He knew what everybody else around him was doing. He just went and just stepped and he made plays. And that's what Jalen Smith was. You know, it, it's it, – that's going to be the key. If Marcus Freeman can get this group or how quickly he can get this group to start to start being focused on their athleticism and their talent and not so much on figuring stuff out mentally – then I think this group is going to be really good. Now, will that happen in game one? Will it happen in game five? Will it not happen until November? That's the big question mark. Yeah, for sure. But the potential is there for this to be a very, very good group. Now it's just it's up for the coaches to, to coach them up, and it's up for the players to take advantage of that coaching and go out there and get it done yep. because the talent is certainly, certainly there. All right, I am hunting because we got a lot of great conversation going uh, back and forth in the comments. I'm hunting for – some actual questions. Doesn't uh, seem like there really are any questions. In there. Yeah, uh, I know there was some stuff in here. I just have to find it all. I'm, I'm scrolling from the top down. Uh, but the, the great conversation, by the way, going on from all these guys talking about being in the military, mm-hmm. and you know, which is awesome. Thank you for your service. You guys are unbelievable. Glad we could, uh, you know, let let you think about some other things uh, while you're serving or or what have you. Pierre, here's here's a good one. More of a comment, but something we can talk about. Our linebackers have always been underdeveloped from Asmar to uh, uh, Coney uh, to, and now Simon. Too much thinking instead of flowing to the ball, which we talked about. It's a different philosophy um, than when those guys were in this defense. And so you're right. There is going to be more flow to the ball and, and less thinking, as as Marcus Freeman put it. It's not. It's football, not fitball. Um, right. And I and I think we discussed that a lot, but I think and, you're going to see more. And I more think there were, and I think Mark, Mike Elko, and Clark Lee did a much much better job of that than Brian Van Gorder, which is why Coney sure. and Asmar were so much better under them than they were under their previous coach. And, and so, you know, to me, I'd put I'd put Simon in a different category than those other guys because I do think that Clark Lee was an excellent coach. I just think for Shane specifically, he had a harder time. Like with Drew, he could kind of. Drew understood, okay, you know, Drew Tranquil and Drew White, they understood, like, okay, yeah, this is my responsibility, but I also have to, right. to go make a play. Yep. Whereas 
with Shane, it's like, no, this is my responsibility. This is right. my responsibility. So I think it was more specific to Shane than it was to the entire group. So, but so I, I don't want it to come across like, okay, well, yeah, Clark Lee did a bad job because like right there, I feel like you're comparing two guys. Because let's not forget, you know, Osmar played pretty well when he finally was able to step into sure. the lineup, Notre Dame. Uh, and so that, you know, there's a little bit of a difference, but I understand where it's coming from. It's like, it, it's got to be about you can't have guys thinking and unsure of what they're doing all the time. Right. John wants controlled chaos with chaos with the defensive line and the linebackers just flying around making plays, thing of beauty. And I think that's what you're going to get. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's how I foresee, uh, you know, this defense moving and shaking. I it, it's going to be controlled chaos. There's yeah. no question about it, in my opinion. Um, Let's get that Michael Morris one because. Uh, that's that caused a lot of discussion in the oh, in the there. Chris Hummer one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who Chris, Chris Hummer is, but apparently he's some writer. Yeah, he thinks our defense will drop off because uh, we lost Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa. Uh, I think that's what the consensus was. Right. That who he referring do you to? That? Yeah. And do you believe that? No, I don't. I, yeah. There's going to be a drop off maybe from that spot. But, but see, not that's the, the problem altogether. with so I, many of these analysts and right. i use that very loosely that cover sports that especially people are on twitter because there's so many websites and there's just there's a lot of people out there that write about college football that don't know jack about college football and, and it's <laughs> the same thing every year it's like well they lost this player so you just remove him and then the defense so that's assuming that everyone on the defense is going to be the exact same player that they were a year ago right uh in and a new nobody I mean, in the pipeline it's either. just it's weak analysis Yes, that's like saying I don't think Alabama's offense is going to be any good this year because they lost Mac Jones, they lost Devontae Smith. No, Alabama's always going to be good on offense. It's just going right. to be different. Different exactly. guys are. It, it's going to be built around different guys. Is replacing Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa going to be easy? No. But do you think that guy, whoever he is, has any clue who Jack Kaiser is? Not no. Chance. Because it, because it's it's weak analysis. Yes. And, and that's what you get from so much of this national media that covers sports. It's like. There was this thing on ESPN yesterday, and they released the 50 greatest teams to never win a title. They didn't have the 1993 Notre Dame team on there, the 92 Notre Dame team on there. They didn't have the 89 Notre Dame team that went 12 and 0, only lost on the road to the national champion, one of the greatest teams ever. And you know that stretch of Miami, Notre Dame beat like seven top 25 teams that year. No Notre Dame on that list. There's a lot of bad national analysts at the big name places sure. that just don't know jack about football. And they write things like this, and it's weak analysis. It's like saying, well, you know, hey, you lost Harrison Smith and Darius Fleming. There's no way Notre Dame can be good on defense in 2012. Hmm. You lost Robert (laughs) Blanton, Harrison Smith, Darius Fleming. You know, I mean, how's Notre Dame going to be good on defense in 2012? Gee, I don't know. It's not. You know? I mean, why even play the game? You lost Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey and Durham Smythe off offense. Notre Dame's going to suck next year. Hmm, had a better record. You know, imagine that. You know, it, it's just weak analysis. Was Jeremiah yeah. Wusukormo a great player? Absolutely, Absolutely. He was no a great doubt. player. Is Notre Dame going to be fine on defense this year? Yeah, yep. they are. Yeah. You know They're why? It's called recruiting. Yeah. It's called development. Exactly. So, get out of here with that nonsense. Right. I actually think Notre Dame's going to be better on defense because I think they're going to be better across the board. They're going to be better Correct. safety, in my opinion, this year. I think they're going to be better corner this year than they were as a unit last year. I think they're going to be better on the defensive line last year. You're in, the rest of your entire linebacking core comes back on the inside, so they're going to regress. Is that what you're advocating for? It's bad analysis. It's bad analysis. I don't even call it analysis. It's bad. It's bad projection. Whatever it is, it's just bad. Yeah. 
All right, Brian, I'm going to take off. I have class to get to. You're going to leave me to hunt through all these questions? I'm going to leave you to hunt through this mass hysteria over here in the comment section. But uh, I will see everybody next Mm -hmm. Tuesday. So make sure you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. I hope uh, you remember what the holiday is about and, uh, you know, celebrate appropriately. So uh, enjoy it. And I will see you Tuesday for pretty much our summer kickoff, Brian. Mm -hmm. I'm really kind of pumped about it. So, um, Have a wonderful rest of the day. Have a great weekend. So Vince leaves me. We're going to get through these last questions before we take off. Uh, Maddie K 55 says, in my opinion, Drew White has been solid, but that's it. We need some more pop at that position. In my opinion, it's nothing against Drew. He's a solid player. Your guys' thoughts. And, you know, we addressed that a little bit during the show. I I think Drew White's a better player than, than some people think. I think Drew White's a good football player. Uh, I think Drew White is a very athletic player. I think Drew White is, has not reached his full potential as a football player. I think that uh, that Drew brings a lot to the table. And he's going to have to battle to win the job, but that's more about just in my opinion of how good Bo Bauer could be and not about Drew. I think if Drew's healthy, he is a very good football player. That, and again, the other part of this too, Matty, is that he fits this defense better than he fit the previous defense because this defense is more about athleticism and playmaking, and Drew is a very good athlete. So I could see him taking a big jump. All right, let's get to this question down here. This is from Rob on Facebook. Do you think they they will move Nolan Ziegler to linebacker? Nolan's being recruited to play Rover, so technically I think he's going to be recruited to play linebacker. I think he'll be playing playing Rover uh, when he gets to Notre Dame. So that's where I think he'll be. Let's go find some more questions. Uh, Pierre met the projection. Simon is going to be a breakout, be the breakout this year. He hasn't flowed since he was at St. Peter's prep. I, uh, Tommy hopes that that comes true. It certainly has a shot. I mean, Shane still has a lot of work to do, but we definitely saw strides in the spring. We saw Shane, uh, a more loose. We saw Shane, saw Shane making more plays, the interception where he kind of jumped that route and picked that ball off from Jack Kaiser. I mean, part of that was Jack doesn't need to make that throw, but Shane kind of baited him into that throw, and as soon as Jack dropped back to throw, Shane jumped underneath that route and picked it off. It was a kind of instinctive play that we haven't seen him make in a while, and this is very, very good to see. This is very good to see. Let's get to some other positions. Uh, David Knight kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, and it says, Brian and Vincenzo, sometimes when we lose a great player, all of us feel, woe is me, but the guy comes in and plays well. Do you feel confident in the Notre Dame defense? I, I really do. It, you know, I, I think they've recruited well at times at certain positions. We've talked about the linebacker and safety recruiting problems, but I don't think that's going to manifest itself this year because there was a couple years, 18 and 19, where they did recruit linebacker very well, and for the most part, all those guys are still on campus. So I think that for now it's gonna it's gonna they're gonna be fine. I think the defensive line could end up being one of the best of the Brian Kelly era. I believe that. I think cornerback is ascending. I'll feel even better if a Caleb Evans picks Notre Dame from Tulsa. But even if he doesn't pick Notre Dame, there's talent there. It just you just got to coach him up. Safety, same thing. You're you're starting lineup as long as Houston is is healthy. I think I like where they're at there. So I really believe this defense is going to be. Very good this year. And and last year, Vince said that there was at times there was 10 guys. I think at times they were they were down two really effective players because there were times where I just I just in certain looks where just Sean Crawford to me was a liability at times of safety because he wasn't, I mean, he didn't Sean was a corner by trade. He was a nickel corner by trade. He was not a guy that 
was trained during the offseason to play safety. That didn't happen until middle of fall camp when they lost a bunch of guys. So it wasn't really his fault. But the fact is he didn't play at an incredibly high level, and that you know that limited his effectiveness. Notre Dame 2164 says, if we're able to land Snead, I will be so excited to see him and Burnham on the field together. Yeah, I, I think with him, Burnham, Ziegler, and Junior Tualamaka, which I think is what Notre Dame has a chance for that to be their linebacking core, that would be one heck of a group. One heck of a group, no question about it. Sean Rogers with kind of a, with a comment says praying that the light that that the light has finally come on for Shane Simon to reach his full potential this year could be a great learning year for Marist. I agree. I think Shane stepping up will be is good for Marist because Marist can continue his development and come along as 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 a player. So that certainly certainly be good to. Uh, to get there. And a lot of guys will want Bo to start. I mean, I'm seeing that Bo is my vote for starting loved when he got in the game, he brings that energy. Yeah. Energy's great, but if you can't defend the pass, I don't care what kind of energy you has you have. And the, and the problem is John Rogers says some might, might be the odd man out. I think y'all are sleeping on drew white a little bit. And I think you're, you're not understanding that, that Bo, while a very talented player has always been a liability in the past game. And if that doesn't improve, then he can't be the starter. Now, could it improve and could he win the job? Sure, Bo's a talented player, but I think we're sleeping a little bit on uh, on, on what Bo ba- on what Drew White brings to the table. There's no question about it. Matty K about that says, "I feel like Bo Bauer would have field days against Navy. Is that an ideal situation for the type of player he is? Yeah, Navy, Wisconsin, because you know Bo Bo is more assignment sound than he was back when he first got here, where he was a bit of a loose cannon." But I, I think that where he is now, I, I feel like he would be very effective in those kind of looks. No question about it. Connor Pat says, how would you evaluate the linebackers based on when they face elite competition? Who needs to lead in the next big game? Well, the, that's the, fu- the interesting thing is because Shane's best game by far was against Clemson in the regular season. I mean, I, I thought he played really well that game. So as far as when they face elite competition, I mean, look, I just think it's about, it's not so much. I mean, look, they played hard when they played elite competition. They held Alabama, they held Clemson and Alabama, both um, over 10 points into their, their season average. The the problem in those big games wasn't the defense as much as it was the offense. And then when the defense did have problems in those games, it was usually the, the secondary, but I think the linebackers will play fine in those games. I mean, they played great against Clemson in the first game last year. There's no question about it. I agree with you on this, Pierre. Brian is my writer of choice. Chris, who I agree with you completely. I agree. D-Rock says, uh, I agree with you, Brian. I think the CFB nation is underestimating the athleticism and depth of Notre Dame. I agree with you absolutely on that one. Uh, all right, here we go. Here's one from um, from Tyler. So with our defensive line attacking upfield and shooting gaps instead of gap control, how does that affect our linebackers and their reads? Can they be aggressive playmakers while still disciplined? Can Freeman scheme this? Yeah, I think that's a big part of what Marcus Freeman does. It's it's what I call the structured chaos, right? It's about aggressiveness and flying the ball. It's not so much you have the backs. If it's because like here's like kind of old school coaching of linebackers, right? And it, it's not even old school. It's it's like a foundational coaching. So it's like. If you're the backside inside linebacker and they run away from you, you have to control the backside A gap, you know, over. If you're if it's to you, then you have the B gap, right? It's a basic kind of call. And so you have to have sort of that that structure that you give guys so they kind of have an idea of, of what's going on. But at the same time, you have to be able to have the instincts and the freedom to say, hey, 
But if this happens, you, you got you, you at the end of the day, your goal is to go get the football. You have to attack the football. You have to get to the ball. And it's that structured chaos. And when your defensive line is penetrating and they're twisting and stunting and they've got the alignment all turned in knots, then you know you attack downhill. You're going to see a lot of run stunts from the linebackers this year. A run stunt is essentially when the defense makes a call where the linebacker's going to essentially blitz on a play and it, it, it's meant to, to attack a run. Uh, you're going to see the line linebackers working off of the twists of the defensive line quite a bit. They're going to be used to attack a lot more. And then when they're not on designed attacking plays, as Marcus Freeman has said, as the linebackers have said, it's going to be about it's a downhill attack the ball standpoint. But you also can't be undisciplined. You can't be too aggressive because then teams are going to RPO and play action you to death. And that's where the structure part has to come from. So, yes, they can. They need to be disciplined and also playmakers, and I think they're going to get a lot more opportunities to do that. Here we go. Bobby Lolly says, couldn't agree more with the bit about weak analysis with national media and listen to an expert college podcast talk about Notre Dame's quarterbacks and never mentioned Pine and assumed Buckner would start within the first month. That's because they're going off recruiting rankings and they're not actually don't really know football. Let's see here. Uh, Realist says, are you putting out a magazine to preview the season? I'm still working on that. I'm still unsure if that's going to happen. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it from uh, getting the technology right, then being able to sell it, and then you know putting it all together. And it's just going to be me doing it. And so I have met with a company recently to talk about, you know, will they host it, but will it get done in time for us to be able to do it for this season? I'm not sure. I'm still trying. I'm going to work on it to the last minute. I'm actually started to work on the content for it. And then essentially, if we get to the point where it's just a no go on the magazine, then I'll just put all that content on the website. So I am still working on it. I'm hoping to be able to make that done this season. If I don't get it done for this season, I definitely plan on having something for signing day and for next season, for sure. And then it's going to become a regular staple at that point in time. But like with anything, it just the initial getting it going can can be a challenge. Scott says, uh, Scott asks, I don't want to say it's a make or break season with Coach Quinn, but I do think it will say a lot about how good of an O-line coach as he is. Need to stay O-line you can't afford to have a fallback. Again, I agree, Scott, and I don't think the offensive line has to be as good as it was last year. I mean, that that's – I don't think Alabama's is going to be as good as they were last year. This The standard is, are you still really good? That should be the standard. It's like, you know, when Oklahoma had, after the 2018 season – they averaged almost 50 points a game. They lost Kyler Murray at quarterback and lost four starting offensive linemen. They were all drafted. They actually had more guys drafted from that line than Notre Dame did because Tommy Kramer went undrafted. The next year they went out. They still scored over 42 points a game. They still rushed. I think they only had like a seven-yard drop-off in rushing. Their line wasn't as good as it was the year before, but it was still really good, and that should be the key in my opinion. That should absolutely be the key. So last couple questions. Old Grimm says, how many backers can rotate through this year? I mean, I think you can run a solid two deep across the board. I do. I think you get any deeper than that outside of it being just the nickel, then that gets a little bit challenging because then nobody's getting enough work to really get into the flow of the game. And I do I, I do think that there's still a need for linebackers to get into the flow of the game more. They got to get used to the, the – the, the, you know, seeing the tells from the offensive line, like, hey, you know, when when – the lineman's that much closer on the backside. You know that they're running away. It's going to be an outside zone away, or it's going to be inside zone when the splits are here. Or, you know, when the line back and the lineman's a little bit more of a forward lean, or he's sitting his butt a little bit more. That's when I know he's pass blocking or he's pulling. You know, those kind of things that you're going to tell. 
So I think you need experience in a game to see those things, you know, and, and when the running backs cheated out a half a yard and when his, when his foot's on the inside hip of the tackle as opposed to the outside hip of the guard, that usually means they're running away from me or they're running to me or they're running a route, those kind of things. And if you're constantly cycling, cycling linebackers out of a game, it can be challenging for them to get into the flow of the game. So I think that's why there needs to be sort of a structured rotation in that within that. Uh, so you, you go much deeper than too deep, and then all of a sudden nobody's really getting in the flow of the game, and I think that can be that can be challenging. Dylan Riggins asks, this is kind of a similar to the question we had a little bit ago, but with the D-line playing less of a gap defense, how is that going to affect the linebackers' attack scheme? So it's not that they're not playing less of a gap defense. There's still going to be gap assignment cr- correctness needed by the defense and by the linebackers, right? This isn't just street ball. It's not. What it is, it's not a gap control defense, which means my job as the nose tackle is to eat up the play side A gap. That's my job. I'm not making a play on the ball. Now it's more of a I'm attacking the strong side A gap and trying to win in the hole. That's the difference. Uh, so there is still a structured nature to this, and, and, and we need to understand that. How that affects the linebackers is, is it gives them more freedom to attack because the idea – is that by being more aggressive with your front, you're going to have be able to more effectively um, occupy the defensive line. And that's really what it boils down to. And so it allows them to have guys on. Think about this. Like, remember in 2012 how great Manti was for much of the season? And then the pit game comes, and Lewis Nix doesn't play the first half because he was he was coming off of an injury. And Manti had his least productive half of the season, least least effective half of the season against Pitt. And Pitt jumped up a couple touchdowns, and they're just chopping Manti. They're just getting to the second level, cutting him. Just every time they'd run away from him, they'd just get up and cut him. And that was because he didn't have that guy in front of him eating up the gaps, keeping those guys off of him. Well, then Lewis comes back in the second half, and he plays a little bit, and all of a sudden Manti starts making more plays. Same principle here, but instead of eating up a gap with size, Notre Dame's going to be eating up those gaps with quickness and aggressiveness, basically getting those linemen to have to turn their hips to occupy them and keep them from beating them upfield. That's going to allow the linebackers to then attack. Martin Demo says, maybe a question for tomorrow's mailbag. How annoying is it that we never seem to play Michigan when consistently when they are down and we are up, but it is always vice versa, i.e. when we got new. I kind of get that, but... You know, I mean, Lou had Lou had a pretty good level of success against Michigan. Brian Kelly's been up and down. I mean, I, I guess I just don't think a lot about the Michigan series because I just don't care about Michigan. That's a, if Notre, if Notre Dame never schedules Michigan again the rest of my life in a regular season, I'm not going to sleep about over it. It's just not a program I think is overly relevant. Garrett Presley says, what exactly does Nick Lazinski do for Notre Dame? I know he's an analyst, but it seems to be made out that he does much more of than that, at least compared to what others with his title. So in the past, he was a graduate assistant. And as a graduate assistant, that meant he was allowed to be an on-field coach. So for Clark Lee, in many instances, Nick Lazinski, I mean, we'd see it at practice. Clark Lee would be working with the Rovers, or he'd be over at the D-line or working the secondary, and you'd have Nick Lazinski be coaching the linebackers. He'll take the linebackers in meetings. So he's essentially like an assistant coach is what he did. Now, as an analyst, if you know, and I think his new role as an analyst, he can't do the on-field coaching as much anymore, but he can do a lot of the, the – the, 
he can do a lot of the uh, prep work, the film work, and things like that. But I'm still curious to see just exactly how that all shakes out this year. I'm also curious to see what Mike McRae's role is going to be this year because he is now a graduate assistant. If Mike McRae's name doesn't sound familiar to you, Mike McRae recently was a starting linebacker and a really good linebacker at the University of Michigan. Notre Dame hired him recently, and I believe he is now um, he is now the I believe he's now the GA at that position. All right. So John Thompson says, I assume it's tougher to scheme against a defense like Freeman's. Bama was able to create space and isolate Smith at will, it seemed. Agree. Agree. Let's see here. Tyler says, Brian, didn't Coach Quinn coach Joe Staley when he was the number one pick at Central Michigan and coached Eric Fisher before Kelly went to Cincinnati? He's a good O-line coach, I think. No one's ever said he wasn't a good O-line coach. The question is, is he a a top-level offensive line coach? That's the question. He also coached Jason Kelsey at Cincinnati. He's a good offensive line coach. But is he a great one? Then we'll have to find out. All righty. Michael, appreciate the kind words. What a fun show. IB has to be the best podcast on YouTube. I agree with that. Uh, And then Scott asks, and this is the last question. Let's say Coach Alexander doesn't stay after 2021. What wide receivers coaches would you like to see at Notre Dame? It's too early for that. The one guy that I've always said I like as an up-and-coming coach is Tyron Carrier at Houston. I really like him as a coach. But my dream scenario is that they convince Curtis Johnson uh, from the New Orleans Saints to come back. He is, to me, the best receivers coach in the business. I would say, hey, look, come back to college. We love you. We'll pay you a lot of money and uh, and do your job. But uh, I don't see that happening. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, Coach Alexander is the receivers coach. And until that changes, we're going to evaluate the job that he does or doesn't do. So thanks for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow for our Friday free-for-all mailbag. So make sure that you join us then. And uh, otherwise, have a great, safe rest of your day. Remember, while you're doing whatever you're doing, I'm going to be doing yard work and mowing the lawn. So you're going to be having a lot more fun than I am having. So, again, thanks for having us, have, coming with us on the show today. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. And then you can have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.